Welcome to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We put knowledge and care within reach so you have everything you need to live your life to the fullest. This episode is sponsored by University of Maryland Shore Regional Health. Today's topic is kidney stones, risk, treatment, and prevention. My name is Prakash Chandran, and my guest today is Dr. Andrew Riggin. He is currently a urologist at University of Maryland Shore Medical Group. Dr. Riggin, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Let's get started with the basics. What exactly are kidney stones? Hi, Prakash. Thanks for having me. I kind of describe the patients as kidney stones as being these hard deposits that are typically made up of either minerals or salts that form inside the kidney, and that they're just that. Got it. And what exactly causes them to... Well, a lot of different factors can lead to the formation of kidney stones. A lot of the times, it's diet, either not drinking enough fluid or eating certain things, too much or too little of those things. Also, certain medical conditions can cause you to get kidney stones. Uh, Being overweight can actually increase your risk of getting kidney stones. Certain medications too. But stones in general form because you're these deposits in your kidney become very concentrated and then they stick together and form these stones. Okay. And you started to touch on this, but what factors increase the risk of getting kidney stones? So I usually tell my patients that the most common factors for getting kidney stones are either not drinking enough fluid or eating a diet that's too high in salt. Those are probably the most two common reasons for making stones. However, there are other factors that can cause you to get stones, including diets really high in protein sometimes, diets high in foods that contain oxalate, eating too much or too little calcium. There's also other things that can increase your risk factors for a stone, such as having a first-degree relative, like a parent or a sibling that has stones. Having certain surgeries on your bowels can cause you to get kidney stones, and also problems like chronic constipation or diarrhea. Okay. And so in terms of preventing getting them, is it just, for example, drinking more water and reducing salt intake? Like what would you recommend to people that, you know, want to be proactive about not getting kidney stones? So one of the most important things I tell people, I kind of joke, I say 96 ounces of fluid a day keeps the urologist away. (laughs) And so I usually tell people to try to drink at least 96 to 100 ounces of fluid a day. It doesn't have to just be water, but just some fluid to help them make more urine. Because the more urine you make, the less likely you are to make kidney stones. Other things I try to tell people to do are try to just eat less salt in their diet. Most Americans just eat too much salt. And so I try to tell them to try to avoid foods that are processed foods because they generally always have salt. Other things that can help you prevent kidney stones are avoiding diets that are too high in protein or too high in oxalates. Or another problem that sometimes people do is they take too many Tums if they have acid reflux. So talk to us a little bit about the symptoms that you might have a kidney stone. You know, as we're talking, it reminds me of my college roommate keeled over on the couch in extreme pain. But what was he experiencing and what can people expect when they have one? Well, Prakash, that sounds about right. Uh, That's probably the most common complaint that people have when they have a kidney stone, which is severe pain in your flank. And your flank is really this part of your back, kind of at the bottom of your rib cage, and that's where your kidneys are located on the back part of your abdomen. That's usually what happens. It's usually a very severe pain. It's intermittent. It comes and goes, or sometimes it just doesn't stop. And it's kind of hard to predict. But other symptoms you can also have when you're passing a kidney stone are nausea, vomiting, blood in your urine, and sometimes people also can get infections and get fevers and chills. 
You know, I've heard some people say that passing kidney stones is similar to the pain of giving birth. Is that is there any truth to that? Usually women that have given birth say that it's worse. So oh there is gosh. definitely some truth to that. Wow. So I'm curious as to if someone is experiencing severe pain in their flank, as you're mentioning, what do they do? And how do they know when it makes sense to pass the kidney stone versus going to see someone? So I think usually if you're a first-time kidney stone patient and that you've never had this happen before, it's very concerning. It's very worrisome what's happening to you. And so your first thought is, I'm going to go to the emergency room. And usually that's not a bad idea because you can get abdominal pain for a lot of different reasons that have nothing to do with kidney stones. So it's usually good to get it checked out, especially if your pain is really severe. So people usually go to the emergency room and there they get a CAT scan to see what's the cause of their pain. Now, if people have had kidney stones before, they maybe have felt this pain before and kind of know what to expect. If they're that person and they've potentially passed a kidney stone before, then it's probably okay to try to potentially pass it at home. Okay, understood. And so when they go to the ER, the doctor is going to tell them whether or not they have a kidney stone. And if they're at the ER, are there treatments that the patient is given to help them pass it or to help dissolve the stone? So there's only one kind of stone that you can dissolve, and they're typically not given that treatment there in the ER because it's kind of hard to know if they have that stone or not without having more knowledge about kidney stones. They are given medication to help with pain. They're giving, sometimes given really strong IV versions of ibuprofen. They can be given narcotic pain medication, and if they're dehydrated, can be given extra fluid, which can also help them pass kidney stones. And what about alternative ways of removing kidney stones? If, for example, they're too big to pass or people need them out sooner for whatever reason, what are some of the treatments that people should be aware of? So there are actually a few options for treatment of kidney stones outside of you trying to pass it at home. So say if we decide you can't pass it at home because your kidney stone's too big or you're in too much pain, well, then you have a few options. One of the options is you can do a shockwave procedure where you would come to the hospital and we would use a shockwave machine to blow up the stone by shooting shockwaves into your body. The advantage of that is it's not invasive in terms of we don't have to put anything inside your body. Now, the downside of it is it's not perfect, but for certain people, it's a really good procedure. If for some reason that's not a good procedure for you, another option is called ureteroscopy with laser lithotripsy. That's where we put a small camera up into the tube that connects the kidney to the bladder or the kidney itself, and we blow your stones up with a little small laser, and then we put a stent in afterwards, okay? Last but not least, there is a procedure for people who have really big stones or very complicated stones. And for those people, there's another procedure called a percutaneous nephrolithotomy. I know, that's a mouthful. Another way to abbreviation is just PCNL. But basically, the way it works is I go directly through your back into your kidney through an incision about the size of a nickel. And then I can go into your kidney with a larger camera and these larger instruments the blow up kidney stones and suck all the pieces out. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And one question I forgot to ask earlier is about who kidney stones affect. Are there certain ages or demographics of people that kidney stones represent themselves in more than others? So it used to be that there was like a kidney stone season, okay, that it, it happened in the summer and it was when people were working at people who worked outside, they didn't drink enough fluid and they would get kidney stones because they were dehydrated. But now 
the kidney stone season lasts 365 days a year. And so it doesn't discriminate between men and women. It doesn't discriminate between race. I, I will say that some people who are overweight tend to get stones more so than people who aren't. But that would maybe be the only thing I could say for sure. Okay. So it's not like a young person's disease. It really occurs at all ages. Correct. Now, you kind of touched on treating a kidney stone at home. What exactly does that mean? So if you go to the ER and you're diagnosed with a kidney stone, one of your options for the treatment for your kidney stone is called a trial of passage, meaning that you try to pass your stone with no no surgical intervention. But what that entails usually is drinking extra fluid, taking medications to help control your pain, such as Tylenol, ibuprofen, or or Motrin, and sometimes narcotics if you need them, and then other medications to help control the symptoms of passing a stone. We typically give people about 30 days to pass a stone as long as they're comfortable. So 30 days to pass a stone. So let me take a step back here, because sometimes people may have that extreme pain in their flank. Is that something that they have to experience for 30 days, or is it something that kind of like comes and goes as they're trying to pass it over that 30-day period? No, I would say that the people that usually pass their stones at home are not the person with that extreme pain. They're usually the people that are a little bit more comfortable than that, and they intermittently have some little slight twinges and things like that, and their pain is generally controlled with ibuprofen and Tylenol. For people who are needing narcotics around the clock, for people who are having a lot of nausea and vomiting, or for people who actually start to have signs of an infection, those are called alarm symptoms. And we usually tell them to go back to the emergency room or call us because they probably need a surgery to help them pass their kidney stone. And just before we close here today, Dr. Riggin, I always like to ask the question about what's one thing that you know to be true with all of your experience as a urologist that you wish more people knew before they came to see you? It's basically the one golden thing that you want to leave with our audience? Well, one thing is kidney stones are pretty common and you're not alone out there and having these kidney stones. A lot of people go through this, but know that when you come to see a urologist to talk about your kidney stone, we will help you figure out why it happened. We will help you treat it and we'll give you the knowledge that you can be armed with. So hopefully you never have to go through this again. Well, Dr. Riggin, this has been a hugely informative conversation. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners? No, I think that's it. All right. This episode is sponsored by UM Shore Regional Health. With locations in Caroline, Dorchester, Kent, Queen Anne's, and Talbot Counties, UM Shore Regional Health is dedicated to bringing world-class care to the communities of Maryland's Midshore region. UM Shore Regional Health, where the health of the Eastern Shore comes first. Find more shows just like this one at umms.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again.